date, man. What do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Welcome to the My Life Counts podcast show. We talk about anything dealing with mental health. My name is Jerry Jones. I'm your mental health coach. And here we go. All right. I'm excited about today's show. Um, I got to speak with uh, a good friend of mine. She's an author, educator, administrator, um, and just an overall wonderful, caring, giving person. Her name is Carol Fullard. Uh, she wrote the book, Disrupt or Die. An educator's journey and um it's a powerful it's a powerful book about her story and and about how she overcame and became the woman that she is today and so um you know we had a great conversation and so we're gonna go ahead and jump right into the conversation all right so miss fullers good to have you on how are you i am fine and i'm very excited to be on here with you this is a good moment for us. Yes. It's like it's bringing us full circle. So I'm excited. I know. Right. Right. This is, this is exciting for me. Um, and, and you're my first author. So this is, this is Yay! amazing. <laughs> I'm excited. And this is my first interview on the book. So I'm excited. Oh, wow. Yeah. First all around. This is, this is amazing. So and what better person to do it with? Oh, thank you so 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 look um i did read your book i wanted to talk to you about um emotional intelligence but when i read your book wow um first off it was amazing uh thank you the things that 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 came up in the book um so i i wanted to ask you um as you were writing it how how did that feel? Well, I, I will be honest. It was, I had two sets of emotions going on. Um, on one level, it was cathartic. And on another level, it was absolutely emotional for me. Because I was digging into things that I had essentially sealed up for years. And now to... One, in some instances, with some of the things in my book, I had completely locked them out. And now I'm writing about it, so I'm reliving it again as I go through it. And so it was a little difficult. There were times I would be sitting at my desk or my table and I was writing and, you know, my youngest daughter or my husband would walk by and I would be um, in tears, just crying. Mm -hmm. And they just left me alone because they knew that I was going through the process. And so I so appreciated that um, from them because I knew if I had stopped or if they had stopped me, mm-hmm. then I wasn't sure that I would continue. So, you know, it was definitely um, a difficult but cathartic journey. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You, you can you can feel it in the book. Um, that there was um there was a part in there where you were talking about your happy place, and mm-hmm. and I'm sitting and I'm reading it and I'm like, I find myself smiling and like, wow, this is like, I'm I'm there with you, and, mm-hmm. then, and then you flipped it on me and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh man, this this is a is an emotional roller coaster for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, and. I think it's really important that people find that happy space or that happy place and recognize that no one else can do it for you. You've got to find it. And um, we have to find it um, however we can. As long as it's serving us, you know, emotionally and mentally and spiritually, you know, I'm on that path. Um, I think it's really important for us look for that and I, I urge people to look for it intrinsically and not externally like it's okay mm-hmm. to find your happy place you know going to spas and all of that stuff mm-hmm. but the real work begins intrinsically mm-hmm. and I think that's the movement of self-awareness and that's the movement of loving yourself in the midst of that self-awareness 
That's good. That's good. Let me ask you this. So when when, when you say happy place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, when, when you're talking about like self-care and stuff and people people do go to the, the massage and, and, and all this, mm-hmm. these other things, which, I mean, obviously they can help. But right. when you say happy place, um, ex- explain that a little more to me. Right. I think what happens is sometimes people are stuck in pain and they believe that if I go shopping, if I go to the spa, mm-hmm. if I get a massage, if I get my nails done, my hair done, mm-hmm. that's going to make me feel better. And there is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely um something that can give you momentum and make you feel better. But when I talk about happy place, I'm not talking about what you externally give to yourself. I'm talking about what you internally do for yourself. And there's a difference. Mm. So where's that space where you sit in self-awareness of who you are and love yourself despite what you recognize? Mm. And give yourself the self-compassion that's necessary. And a lot of times, we don't do that. We avoid it. We deny it. Because we don't want to look at ourselves. And I think the only way that you progress in life is to sit with self-reflection and then to sit with self-compassion. Because no one on this earth is perfect. And then once you sit with self-compassion, there's healing that can begin. Because now you can lean and see your values, and you can lean and have to love yourself. Mm. Mm. Self- so for me, mm-hmm. that's the happy place slash happy space. Mm. Self compassion. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You we know, don't give ourselves enough of that. Right. Right. And we don't hear enough people say it or talk about it. You know, we're supposed to be compassionate towards others, but we don't right. hear that, you know, we need to be compassionate towards ourselves. Right, right, right. I think sometimes we often think it's a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we get caught up with, I don't know if you think it's a level of conceit. I don't know if people believe that that's being selfish. Mm-hmm. But it's not. You know, sometimes I think, I look and I think back on how I have exerted compassion for students and, and teachers and all types of adults that have come through my life. Right. And I have not done the same for myself. Right. Like, I had to prioritize me and take care of me. Because at the end of the day, if I don't do it, yeah, other people may try, but it absolutely is always going to be a continuous void if I can't do it for myself. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. How, how, how did you go about, um, doing that? Like once you realized that you needed to do that, how did you go about doing it? Um, so here's the thing, you know, I had to fall flat on my face to understand that that was an important thing to do. And, and grapple with the realities of my life. And when I got tired of, quote-unquote, having a pity party for myself or being stuck, mm-hmm. I just one day just kind of sat down and figured out, what are the things that I value? Not what the world values, but what do I value? And how do my values show up in my life every day? Mm. And I had to recognize they weren't showing up in my life every day. You know, and, and how am I living through those values every day? I wasn't. It was hit or miss. And so when I recognized that, you know, growing up for the most part as an only child, even though I'm not an only child, mm-hmm. I recognized that retreating um, to a quiet space was something important to me. I recognized that spirituality was something important to me. I recognize that mental health and well-being was something important to me. These are my values, and I was not really acting on them. And so I just decided one summer, actually it was 
um, maybe right before the pandemic. But during the pandemic is when I really dug into it. And after well, I'm going to practice my retreat. I'm going to track work practice, you know, spirituality on a different level. You know, not just get up and pray, but really sit in that thing and meditate on that. Yeah. And have devotion around it. Because I know it makes me feel at peace. And then at the time, you know, I started, um, this well, before um, the pandemic, I had been getting into exercise and health. When the pandemic came, though, I, that's the one area I crashed in. But <laughs> those components before then really is what helped set me up. I really recognize what makes me full. You know, yeah. having a level of gratitude, that's the big thing for me. And I had challenged myself, I said, every day for the next 30 days, I'm going to write down five things that, that I'm grateful about. And when you're going through things, you can't really necessarily think of that. And so it was a challenge to myself. And then the next thing I knew, it, I was still writing down five things. And I had these, these chart papers all over my um, bedroom door with all these gratitude mm. um, statements and affirmation of, you know, looking at your life as being more full than you thought it really is. And so that's pretty much how I did that. That that's that's awesome. That's amazing. I mean that and and that practice of gratitude is is um did you did you see things that um you wouldn't normally see if you were like you said you know it continued over time. So right were were you finding things were you were you shocked or surprised of of the things that maybe you overlooked right i was shocked that i was not celebrating these things i was taking them for granted mm. so the fact that i can get up in the morning and breathe is gratitude <laughs> like yeah. other, and and it sounds really simple but that's important. The fact that, you know, family or friends, you know, because they were all also, they don't know it, but they're also part of that gratitude for me as well. Mm-hmm. That there's another day that I could spend to talk to you and connect with you and just, or even send you a text message. That was gratitude for me too. The fact that I had, like, all capabilities, you know, all my senses and I had a job or what, those were all the, like, I really started to lean into the things that I took for granted every day. Mm. You know, um, the thing, you know, even the things that were difficult for me, you know, I would say, I'm grateful, God, because I know there's a lesson in this. I'm grateful, God, because he, like, the obstacle is there. It is difficult, but you're taking me through it. Like, I'm not caving to this. This is overwhelming, mm-hmm. but I'm not caving. I am absolutely going through it, and I know that I'm going to overcome it. That's what my gratitude looked like. And so, it wasn't like necessarily materialistic things. Mm-hmm. It was taking a deeper look at wow, I'm here, and I'm so appreciative. Yes. Yes. Yes, that that's how you find happiness. That's, you know, yeah. I mean, you said you said something. One practice that I, I have picked up and I, I talk about it um, constantly when I'm in a group. Um, just just the fact that I can breathe. Right. And yeah. it seems simple, but um, I always say because, you know, I used to work in a hospital. And if you go and you see somebody on a ventilator then you realize that it's a gift. It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. you know, you appreciate it. it. Although we take it for granted, but being able to yeah. take your own breath, it's just, yeah. it, it's something that we overlook, you know? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, I think my life are in those moments now more than they've ever been. And I want to tell you, you know, with the book, Mm-hmm. I had this book up on 
I had written out a piece of chart paper with all these things that I was going to do over the next two, three years. Mm-hmm. And the book and the name of the book was on that piece of paper for about two years. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is at the top of my list. This is at my, and every single thing that was on my list, except for one so far, mm-hmm. I was able to accomplish. So I have one more thing to do. And, um, I look at that list and I say, I got to look at a God that has allowed me to do a lot of these things. Yes. Yeah. And that is gratitude. So, so the, the book disrupt or die and Mm -hmm. and educators journey, right? So you Mm -hmm. talk about how going into teaching administration. And so when when I met you, you were already in uh, administration. Right? I think you were yeah. uh, vice principal. I was assistant principal. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so some of the things that you brought up in the book is kind of um, baffling to me because I I met you and mm-hmm. and you seemed so strong and confident. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing something else in the book. So uh, how mm-hmm. how were you able to be so strong, um, I guess, to the people around you? Because I know I wasn't the only person, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, and still, you know, go through what you were going through. Yeah. Um, so it's so funny because I've had a few people reach out to me, like, even very um, a very close friend of mine, and she's known me since I was about 18. You know, we were in college together, and she said, Okay, I know your story, but I didn't know your story. <laughs> and I said, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. They've got a few twists and turns that people don't know about. Yeah. But I, I think that's it. We don't know people's stories. Mm-hmm. And every day that I've walked in that job, as I look back at it now, Every day that I walked in, and even now, every day that I walk into a building, my goal is to rise to the expectations of a good educator. However, sometimes, you know, the two worlds meet, personal and professional, mm-hmm. and you've got to learn how to um, sort that out. And so there were many times that, you know, I had people in front of me whom I, or students in front of me, who I was like, oh my God, like, I know, I know exactly how this person is feeling right now, because right. I've been there, or I'm there right now, right. and I guess there was just a strength that said, this is not about me, this is about me serving the people in front of me, and I've always thought that I was a servant leader, and mm-hmm. so I feel like when you're a servant leader, you don't have time to get caught up in your own world, there'll be time for that. And maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But my goal right now is I need to serve this person or these people in front of me to the best of my ability. And I definitely feel that one of my strengths and one of my values is perseverance. Mm. And I think that God allows me to persevere through tough times by being able to serve others. I absolutely believe that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's the, the importance of self-care, right? Mm -hmm. I know, I know, um, you know, self-care needs to be for you, but it's, it's also, um, and, and this, I always say like, this should not be the reason you're doing it because it kind of, um, pulls from it, but it's a byproduct of when you take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you, you have the energy, the emotional intelligence, you have all of this um, capacity to be able to deal with other, other things from other people. Right. And you know what's so interesting? Like when I think of things that I have had to deal with in terms of students or adults, mm-hmm. um, at that time I wasn't thinking from an emotional intelligence perspective. You know, hmm. I just knew that there needed to be empathy. I needed, I knew that I needed to be socially aware of what they were going through so that I could serve them in the best possible manner. Um, and then, you know, as I've grown, I've realized, well, that's what emotional intelligence is. 
you know, those are byproducts of it as well. Right, right. So, so, so you were just, um, so was it, let me ask you this, were you two different people? Like, you know, the, the professional and the personal or, or was it, was it just a matter of your being able to focus? Does that make sense? interesting. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does make sense. I guess to an extent, maybe I was two different people. Um, you know, I just... I, okay, I, maybe it's not so much of being two different people, mm-hmm. but there are layers to everyone, right? Right. And right. when I'm in my professional realm, that's all that important to me. And I think, you know, I, I talk about this a little bit in the book, too, is, you know, at the beginning of my journey um, in education, you know, this all came about um, me kind of developing, I guess, um, this layer and uh, focusing on whatever I had to do in school was the death of my mother. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you think about it, she died two weeks before I was, I ever stepped foot into a classroom. Yeah. And so, although she knew that summer what was coming to fruition, she didn't get to see it. And so, two weeks before I stepped foot into the classroom, I'm burying my mother. Mm. And now I'm in front of the students, and it's the birth of a new career. So it's like death and birth at the same time. Wow. And I think at that point, everything I did was kind of an homage to her. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know you're not down here to give me my flowers, but they're gonna you gonna give me my flowers <laughs> while you're looking down at me in heaven <laughs> and say she's doing a great job. Right. And I and I I really really um, believe that's why I was able to kind of navigate that way professionally, and still do. You know, um, when I get in that building, it's all about. What's going on in front of that building for me? Um, I think what has happened, though, is that um, I am able to embrace more of myself now, whereas I think before it was just kind of like two different things, professional, personal, you got to go through and just do this, this. But I'm, I'm, I'm able to embrace more of my personal self as well. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Again, like it's 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 baffling to somebody like myself who saw you in that time mm-hmm. and and well not at that time but you know to see that you know there's things going on but yet you still hold this 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 confident aura about yourself is it was so mm-hmm. let me ask you because um in the book you said that um um I think it was right around when you're first born. Uh, when you had your firstborn, that you didn't run to the therapist, you ran to God. Mm-hmm. I sure did. Um, it was it was such an interesting dynamic. Um, I I was pregnant. My friend invited me to church. I was from New York. Mm-hmm. I got there, and it was not even like a Sunday service. It was like Thursday night Bible study or something. Mm-hmm. And I got there, and I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm home. Like, <laughs> this has been missing for a long time. You know, yeah. growing up, I had an interesting dynamic with um, going to church and making a connection. You know, all my life I went to Christian school. So, for the first six years, I went to a seven day adventure school. And for the last six years, I was in a Catholic school. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> completely different dynamic. And right. Not only not not only in in um, terms of religion was it different. It was also different in terms of the school makeup. So in my seven days went to school, it was one hundred percent African American, and then I got to this Catholic school, and there was only one other black girl in my class. I was like, oh my wow. god! Wow! <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> right? <laughs> wow! 
And that, and I'll never forget, that seventh grade year was, ooh, it was rough for me. And, um, but I, I, I say that to, all, to say, you know, but I had always, like, my parents had always sent me to church. You know, it was, it was interesting because they sent me to church. They never went with me, right? Oh, wow. Like every, yeah, every, when I was going to seven days of school, I would go to um, um, seven days of church for a good part of my life when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And then I started going to an Episcopalian church. And every Friday, I would get on the train, or my parents would drop me in Harlem to this church that I belonged to, and I'd spend it with this um, lady who took care of me when I was younger. I'd spend the weekend with her and go to church, and they never came with me. But they wanted to make sure I was there. And then I think when I got to Catholic school, that whole dynamic just changed. And I had kind of stopped. I stopped going to church. Um, and then I got to college and joined the choir. And so, but then I, I don't know what happened. So I was just off doing my thing. I was like the prodigal daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. And like then, most of um, us. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And then that day I, you know, was at that Bible class. I was like, oh my God, this is what was missing. I'm home. Yeah. And from that point on, I just didn't look back. And what was the most difficult was I fell in love with my church. I fell in love with the word. But then I also decided I wanted to move to Maryland. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm. I, I need to find a church like this in Maryland. And it took me a minute to find a church. Like, I even went to the past and I was like, I'm, I'm going to move to Maryland. And, and I need a church. And so he recommended churches to me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did try those churches out, but then, you know, I ended up at Zion some years later, and that was great, and I'm still there 20 years later. <laughs> Zion is an amazing so, yeah, church. <laughs> yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And um, I just want to, and here's the thing, when I had, when I was pregnant with my daughter, the one thing I wanted to make sure was that I was not going to just send her to church. So that I was going to be there with her. Yeah. And so we went to church every Sunday, you know. Um, and that's not a slight against my parents, but it was something that I felt that I needed that to need. be there with her, you know, and us learning things together and hearing things together. And if I needed to answer questions, I would be able to answer them for her. And I just thought that was important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, okay. So I, I ran across this quote in your, in your book. And I, so you said, Dr. Uh, uh, what's it? Victor Frankel. Victor Frankel. Mm-hmm. It sounds right. So That's my favorite um, quote. <laughs> when we are no longer able to control the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me. What's that? What does that mean to you? Oh my gosh, that is my mantra. <laughs> like, like between that and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. Those are my mantras. Mm. Um, because I think we have it mixed up. A lot of times we're stuck in situations that we can't control. You can't control who loves you. You can't control. A lot of different things. We put our focus on the stuff that we can't control instead of on what we can control, which is ourselves. Right. And if you're in a situation that's not working for you, then the only person that can change it is you. Don't sit back waiting for the other person to change it for you. You know? That's why sometimes um, I go back and forth with the word happiness. Like, at this point in my life, I want my life to be about joy which means that I'm going to come through some difficult times. Um, however, I control how I react to that and what my behavior is. Mm-hmm. And even though it's difficult, I still can choose to stand in joy hmm. because my expectations are that I'm able to change what I can change. But so many people sometimes are waiting for other people and other things to change so that they can change. 
And I don't believe that. I now understand that um, you have to be the one to do it. And that did not happen until um, I um, was not asked back to my principal position. That year is the year that I really discovered that quote and has I've been connected to it ever since. Yeah. That's, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of like the serenity prayer, but it's, it's, it it has a part in it that I think is more powerful. Like the, the serenity prayer is, um, like God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. But this, this one, you know, uh, when we are no longer able to control the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. It kind of gives you, it, it, it puts the power in your hands. Like yeah. you have the power. And I think yeah. a lot of times when we are, when we do want the outside situations to change, it takes our power away. Exactly. And exactly. But I'm, I'm going to push back. Does it take okay. our power away or do we give our power away? Uh, we give it away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we totally give it away. So my question yeah. to you was, um, well, I'm, and I'm glad you said that. Why do we, do, do you think we prefer to give it, is it easier to give it away or wh- what do you think that comes from? I think it comes from not wanting to make a difficult decision. Mm-hmm. From not wanting to walk away from things that we know might be hurting us. From not wanting to, I go back to this, become self-aware and reflective and give yourself the compassion to do what you need to do. It's not maybe that, and you know, people people don't want to feel uncomfortable. Right, right, right. right. You know, so many of us get comfortable in the discomfort of our lives Mm -hmm. and we just kind of survive. I, you know, I don't want to just survive anymore. I want to thrive. Yes. And I want to thrive internally as well as externally. And so I think sometimes there are difficult decisions that need to be made. And we just, because we, we see what we do is we put ourselves into a thinking trap, right? Mm-hmm. We start thinking, if I make this decision, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to happen. And we really don't have any evidence to support that that will actually happen. We've already just figured out in our head that it's going to happen without having any evidence to support that it will happen. Right. So if I walk away from this relationship or if I change this job or if I just continue um, engaging in certain toxic friendships just because I've had them for the last 20, 30 years, these things are going to happen. And you know what? They may happen, but then again, they may not. My thought is, even if it does, even if what you thought does happen, then I think the goal is for you to focus on the most important thing, which is, have I persevered through hard things before? Mm -hmm. And if you have, then you know that you're going to persevere through this as well. Mm. Yeah. But we, we, we put our focus on the wrong thing. Wow. Okay, so that, that oh, that brings up another question because now I'm looking at I'm thinking about the person who, um, what, what what okay, so I'm just ask you what what about the person who doesn't have a lot to look back on, because in like in your book you have a lot that you can see where where you've overcame. What what about the person mm-hmm. who doesn't have that same story of of being able to overcome so you know I believe everybody has a story of overcoming Mm -hmm. some stories may just be bigger than others Mm -hmm. but what happens is we don't give and and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier we don't give light to the things that we do overcome Mm. and embrace those things that's where the gratitude starts and so I think every person on this earth has something that they have overcome. And they need to lean back into that and recognize if I've done it once, I can do it again. Because we all have just different levels of it. 
you know, my level of persevering and overcoming things may be completely different than yours. And it's not if one is greater than the other. Mm-hmm. It's what it is to you. If that was a difficult situation that you overcame, then you know to yield and seek your strength from that. Right. I believe we all have overcome something. I, I'm totally with you. And and I, yeah. I've, I've heard people who, you know, come back with that and like, you know, well, my life wasn't. And and we get into this place where it's, it, we compare, you know, yeah. my life to your life. And, and it's not about right. that. It's not about that. Like, I don't have to, you know, God forbid, be shot, get in a car accident to be an overcomer. Right, right. I, I, I don't need it to be that big for me to be an overcomer, right? Right. It can just be everyday things in my life that I have overcome, you know, yeah. and, 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 and that's strength, that's strength. And I think people need to recognize their strength. It all goes back to strengths and values and what your vision is for your life. Yes. Yes. Now, now with this, right, you do, because you, you have a, uh, a certain level of a high level of emotional intelligence. And you, even, even, you know, going through the book is, it's almost, it seems like it's always been with you. Hmm. I think on a certain level that may be true. I don't think I've always tapped into it. Not okay. like I'm tapping into it now. Okay. I think that I've always been um, very self-reflective because I've always loved to write. Mm-hmm. And writing for me is cathartic, and it is a place where there's self-reflection and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so I've done that since I was very, very young. And for me, that was a way of just kind of releasing um, some of my pain that I paid, uh, that I decided to pay attention to at the time. So, but I don't think that I tapped into it the way that I needed to tap into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, let me just say, I wish that we would teach this in school. Yes. As much as we spend yes. time on pedagogy and, you know, what kids need to learn academically, I think if we spent more time on emotional intelligence and, you know, I see it coming up more now. Mm-hmm. I think that we wouldn't have a country of children who are so anesthetized to um, things that are happening. Like, you know, it's, it's sad when you think kids are kind of not shook about the next pulling or right. the next stabbing or it's just, yeah. And so I feel like I've had certain aspects of it, but I just never really tapped into it. And now that I, you know, I'm much older, I'm tapping into it a lot more. And being, I'm very deliberate and conscious. I'm deliberately conscious of things um, that I say and how I feel and how I interact. And it does not mean that everything I say and do is the correct thing. Mm-hmm. But here's the difference. Before I would say things and keep it moving. Now I say and do things and I step back and say, is that really the right thing to say? Hmm. Was I empathetic to that person when I did that? And I don't have a problem apologizing in a minute. So you know what? Mm-hmm. I didn't do that right. Hmm. That, yeah. That's, but that's, that's the story of every superhero. It's like your superpower, right? It, every, every superhero, you know, when they when they start, you know, they have these superpowers that they use and they don't know how they use it. And then it's a story of discovery of, of their superpowers. Mm-hmm. And even though they're doing stuff, they don't realize how they're doing it or why they're doing it. And then over right. time, they start to become the master of their superpower. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good title for another book. <laughs> <laughs> Say, look, you can have it. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
shoot. I'm gonna come out with a cape and ei on my. There you go. There you go. There you go. And aim. Look, you can aim it towards the students because they they're the ones they're the ones who who are because I I do think like you know they are being um, bombarded with all these images on TV and and so they are becoming like um, a, a lot of them are becoming desensitized. Um, yeah. to, to the things that are going on, but I still think like they have, I, you know, I kind of wonder if all of us have, um, a level of emotional intelligence, um, Absolutely. inside of us, even, even as a, yeah. even as a child. And it's mm-hmm. just a matter of discovering it, understanding it and, yeah. and discovering it and bringing it out. Yeah. I absolutely do believe we have that. But as you just said, it's a matter of bringing it out. So just like we're able to bring out um, students, so yeah, one plus one equals two. I think you need to bring them out to recognizing what they have. You know, um, when I first started uh, teaching, I always, I always make the joke that um, the lady who did the movie Freedom Writers, she wasn't the first Freedom Writer I was. But, and I talk about it a little bit. In, <laughs> but I talk yeah. about it a little bit in my book. Yeah, with the journaling. I yes. Have, yeah, yeah. And I, because you know, every year would give these journals to these kids, and you know, just to be able to let them be vulnerable mm-hmm. and say what they want to say, and know that it's a safe space for them. Mm-hmm. I believe in that, and I think sometimes that's where the thing, that's where it starts. Because then you build a connection with them, and they they feel safe with you, and and they can start exploring how they feel, and then how those feelings may impact the actions and the behaviors that they see in class. You see in classrooms, and so I have always done that. Um, I still do it to this day. It's just it's just cool. Something I think is important. Well, why do you, why do you think that is? Like, why, did, why does that work? Um, because, you know, when we go in the school, when we go through the school doors, kids are there, the kids are being told that they're there for this. Math, English, social studies, science, so just this rote kind of pedagogy that they learn. Mm-hmm. They're not always there to explore who they are and right. give them a space to speak their mind and speak it safely and um, I think they need that mm-hmm. and I, all I say to them is well you need to speak your mind just don't use it in profanity <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and like we have days that we call it you know free write like some of the writings they do I do have topics for them to write about and then some of the days are just free write and you can write whatever you want about whatever you want and um you know, back then when I first started that, it was interesting to see how many students as they were leaving the classroom would say, don't forget to read my journal and write back to me. Right. I was like, what? Wow. And that was boys and girls. And then you would open this up and, and they were opening up their lives to you, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there were some sticky situations where, you know, I would find out about abuse. And I would say to the child, okay, I know this is private, but I can't let you continue to be in a situation where you're being hurt. So I want you to know that I have to share it with someone because it's, it's to help you, you know. Right. And I ne- I've never had a student that got angry with me about it mm-hmm. because they knew that I was coming from a genuine place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I was wondering: is it, is it, is it a matter of they're feeling heard and they haven't had mm. that before, or is it, a, or, or, and, and, or is it a combination of feeling heard and and also not being judged? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a combination of both. You know, um, if you. You know, read some of the stories from the kids, you know, that I've encountered over the years. Like, they came with some heavy stuff, and I was like, oh, wow. uh, they didn't teach me this. 
when I was taking um, education theory 101. <laughs> this was nowhere in the curriculum. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, you look, at, I look at my um, time in education, and, you know, I've experienced everything from kids being pregnant to, you know, assault and molested, uh, homelessness, you know, um, you know, people talking about rape and just the whole, and I was like, God, wait, I, you know, that's not what I thought. This was supposed to come in and I was supposed to teach you some English. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure your grammar is correct. Right. But all this other stuff. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So definitely, um, it took on its own, like, like I, I just had a student say to me, you know, um, Next year, I am going to truly miss our discussions and even some of our debates in class mm -hmm. um, about life stuff. Mm. And I said, oh, okay. Because, you know, I have some very outspoken kids this year. <laughs> and they, they have talked about a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, they, they felt comfortable in that space to talk about it. And it can go from race sexuality and um, I give them that space to say what they need to say as long as they're respectful and um, we always agree that everybody has their own opinion and what we do is we don't judge but we respect yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a big I think that's a big part of it being like yeah. I said being heard and and being respected like Feeling, yeah. feeling like what you say actually is 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 being heard and being respected. Yeah. I yeah. think, I yeah. think, because because all, oftentimes, especially kids, you know, kids are supposed to stay in the child's place, right? Yeah. And, and exactly. And so, and so, to have an adult say, "No, just tell me what you feel," without the judgment, it's it it opens up a whole new new. Yeah world for them that's amazing yeah and there's a delicate balance with that because you know once that happens you know there's discussion about it but then we're not going to stay here for the next hour we're going to now move into english right <laughs> right right <laughs> so the kids are like okay <laughs> so definitely a, a delicate balance <laughs> definitely a delicate balance so so all right, so let me ask you with um, with the emotional intelligence, um, mm -hmm. anxiety and depression. We're seeing we're seeing that a lot. How, how mm -hmm. does how would how does what's the connection or how does uh, emotional intelligence affect anxiety and depression? Well, you know, um, I'm thinking myself for a moment. Um, I think that I was experiencing, you know, bouts of depression throughout my life. Um, because what happens is, it, we don't talk, right? Right. We're just keeping everything inside. And so, because we're keeping everything inside, we don't have an opportunity to share your feelings and then get the help that you need. And um, and unfortunately, and, and, I mean, it's getting better. I just sometimes don't think it's getting better at a quick enough pace. Right. And, you know, the African-American community, I think that has been a major hindrance. You know, um, we don't necessarily embrace mental health the way we need to. Right. Um, I think, you know, I, I think there is, it definitely has that. So now if you're not able to release your emotions, and then now once you've released it, you're not able to manage the emotions, then I think it leads to what we see as anxiety or depression. And um, we need help with that. So it's, um, it's not enough to recognize that I'm depressed. Oh, well, how do I manage that depression? What is it I need to do? Um, 
how do I manage that sadness? And sometimes we can be sad, but if, it's, if we keep that sadness over a continual amount of time, then yeah, it leads to depression because we're continuously internalizing everything. And I'm not a therapist, you know, I am right. I am an emotional intelligence coach. Yeah. But I just feel like um, I think it's important to manage those emotions mm-hmm. and see what it is that they're telling us. And then once we figure out what it is that is specifically telling us, then now seeking the help that you need um, to do a better job of living your life and um, dealing. Because here's the thing I was telling one of my clients. The things that we learn in coaching are to help you um, develop a process. Mm. Um, Sometimes we think that there's a destination at the end of, um, everything we do, whether it's for coaching or therapy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's for you to develop a process for your life. So that if things yeah. arise, you know how to interact or react to it. And right. um, you have the skills to pull down to react to that. You know, I, I, nobody ever told me that just because I think it and feel it, I have the choice not to react to it. Hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's stuff I'm telling myself. Like, okay, I'm thinking about this thing. Now, how do I react to that? Because my behavior is my choice. It's not dictated by my thoughts and my feelings. Mm. And so, you've got to be able to reach out and get those skills um, so that you don't become anxious or you don't become depressed. And if those feelings arise, what do I do about it? So, I think that's where emotional intelligence um helps us self-regulate our lives. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of imagine as you was talking, I was imagining a um, uh, karate kid, the, the wax mm-hmm. on, wax off. And it's, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like, you know, um, we, we have to learn this process, but what, but we don't want to necessarily go through that because we're looking at an end result. We're looking at an end destination, right? Like, Absolutely. so for, so for a karate kid, it's like, I want to fight. I don't want to wax on, wax off, or, or mm-hmm. in, the, in the newer version is, you know, put your coat on, you know, hang your coat up, yeah. and all that. And mm-hmm. so it's like, no, I don't want to go through that. I just want to beat somebody mm-hmm. up. And it's like, no, exactly. you have to understand that I'm building a process, and this is going to help right. you through. Mm-hmm. And there is no, there is no yeah. destination, right? There's yeah. because, you know, even once... How is that like? How long can you really um, like? If we're talking about emotions, how long can you be happy? How long? Mm-hmm. Like how exactly? If you sit in happiness, how long can you literally sit in happiness? Because the mm-hmm. reality is, things change, times change, and your emotions are fluid. Yeah. And so we have yeah. we gotta you know have some some process, like you said. Mm-hmm. So that that's awesome. Yeah. Definitely, I believe in a process, and I think everyone should learn what works for them and how to navigate the process. And just recognizing, I don't feel good um, about what just happened to me. I feel betrayed by the person that might have done it, but now what do I follow? My feelings, or do I, you know, engage with my values? If it's your values, your compass of your life direction. These are the things that you find important. And so if um, my value is, um, uh, like if my value is not to be angry and go off on people and I do that, then I'm, I'm doing opposite of what my value is. If my value is kindness mm-hmm. and, and understanding and I do the whole opposite of that, then I'm leaning into my feelings, which usually makes it feel worse. Mm. It feels good in the moment, but mm-hmm. eventually you sit there and you start thinking about what you did or you said. You know, I, I heard I heard Mike Tyson. Um, he was on a podcast. I forgot who he was talking to, but um, mm-hmm. the person the person said, you know, if somebody does me wrong, I'm, I cut them off. And he said, and, and Mike Tyson said, no, you don't do that because when you do that, you lose. Because now they have changed you. Mm. And now they have the control. 
They're in, they're in control. You've given them all the power, and you're changing. Right. And that yeah. and yeah. and so it it kind of reminds me of what what you're saying. It's like yeah. So yeah. I I I think just 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 comment on that. Mm-hmm. I think if we discontinue relationships with people who have hurt us, mm-hmm. we've got to be clear about you. Like you said, you have to be in control, and I think you have to be clear about why that discontinuation is happening. So if I feel that being in a relationship with you, with a friendship, mm-hmm. is going to continuously um, add toxicity to my life, then I'm, I'm willing to change the scope of what that relationship looks like. So, you know, maybe we're not hanging out every day. Maybe we're not but I'm in control of changing the scope of that relationship because I'm at it. I'm, I'm in a different space in my life. Mm-hmm. And so now I made a decision that, yeah, we can communicate, but we may not communicate like we've always been communicating. Right. You know? Yeah. And honestly, for me, I know I've had to do that at times. I've had to say, okay, the nature of this relationship has changed. And because it has changed, I now have to, you know, navigate it differently than I did before. Doesn't mean that I hate you, but I know that being in your space is not good for me. Right, right. And so we change the scope of it. Yeah, and and in doing that, you are in control, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I get, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that, so that, so. What he says, he has a point. Because if, if, if mm-hmm. I'm just cutting you off because you did something, and I'm not taking the time, the time to sit back and figure out, okay, well, how do I change the scope of this relationship so that I can continue to be better? Mm-hmm. That's when you now have control. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. All right, mm-hmm. last last question. Cause I know, I know we, I know we got to wrap up, but you right. you mentioned the process of rain. Do you want to comment yeah. on that? So, <laughs> and the reason why I'm asking is because I, I, I'm wondering if, if this is a process that can connect with emotional intelligence. Like if somebody's trying to say, okay, I, I want to find my superpower of emotional intelligence. I want, I want to get there. And you have this process, um, rain is it okay. If I say it, I want to yeah, give a spoiler absolutely. in the book. <laughs> All right, so it's um, rain is our uh, recognize what is going on, allow the experience to be there, investigate yeah. it with kindness. Natural yeah. awareness comes from not identifying with the experience, but the compassion you have for yourself. Yeah, I thought that was a powerful experience for me to go through as I was being coached. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's> my lady, some <laughs> rain, right? Right? <laughs> they did this, 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 and this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't at my self awareness stage right then. <laughs> I was working through it, but um, yeah. So for me, with rain. It's kind of like I almost have a third, it's like a third person um, observation. And I, I remember when I was in um, grad school, um, and, and one of my Georgetown professors used to say um, things about being on the balcony, and that's how I look at it. Mm. So I'm on the balcony looking at myself and recognizing what is going on as I'm looking at myself. So I'm observing what is going on. and allowing it to be there because at this point I have not figured out how to navigate through the process so I allow the experience to be there it's kind of like when we talked about a little earlier you know this is my thought this is my feeling but it does not have to um, um, it does not have to influence my behavior mm-hmm. and so you allow that experience to be there and then you investigate it and sometimes we can investigate it and this is this was a big issue for me. I would investigate things with a level of criticism. 
um, not just criticism for other people, but being highly critical of myself. You know, how could you be so stupid? Da, 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 mm. You know, and going through that list. So as I'm criticizing others, I'm criticizing myself. And if I can't show myself the kindness as I investigate the situation, then there absolutely is going to be no self-compassion. Right. 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 And so that's what that is about. And then just kind of identifying with the experience, recognizing that it happened. I can't change it. But in the meantime, I give myself the compassion to say, it's okay. Hmm. It's okay. I don't have to be critical with myself. It's okay. Now what am I going to do next? Because what happens is, we don't go to the next. We just get stuck right there. Right. We get stuck with right there. And we play that thing like a, a tape in our head. Over and over and over again. But if I now turn it inside and I have compassion for myself for what has already happened and start pushing forward to what I want to do next, then I start to give myself a certain level of freedom. Yeah. And I absolutely believe that, that it is connected um, with different aspects of emotional intelligence because here is absolutely how I now self-regulate myself and I stay in control as opposed to having my emotions and thoughts in control of me. Wow. That, that, that's amazing. That, so that, that takes us from being our worst critic to our most compassionate self. Yeah. And that's what we need to be our most compassionate self. Yeah. So, thank you for checking out another episode of My Life Counts Podcast Show. I am your host, Jared Jones, your mental health coach. And uh, I want to say a special thank you to Carol Fuller. Um, again, go get the book, Disrupt or Die, and Educator's Journey. And um, I'll see you again next week. Peace. We did have writer's remorse. And there's some days that I do, I'm like, and I was like, boy, you really put it out there, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I sure did. But I, I knew that years ago, God was calling me to write a story. Mm-hmm. A story that I had to be honest in. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, I try to do. I'm hoping that it absolutely blesses other people if it's just one piece of it that they can connect to that is my goal yeah well it, it definitely goal. it definitely does that it definitely does that because so uh, i mean I, I i've talked to so many people who who have you know situations and it's like if only they could hear it if is there any hope <laughs> is it mm-hmm. like when yeah. i when i um, when i do groups one of the best things about the group is that there's other people going through situations in the group. And so, mm-hmm. so it, it's, it's like one person would be like, nobody understands what I'm going through because, because this, that, and the third. And then to hear other situations, it's like, oh, yeah. oh, there are other people who have overcome and who, you know, situations are similar to mine. So yeah. I think yeah. I, I know it's going to be a blessing. So it is, well, it's that, already that, is. I, Thank you. I so appreciate that. I so appreciate that. And I'm just so proud of you. Did I say that already? I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> well, thank You're you. You're such an awesome man. You're such an awesome man. And I'm hoping that one day soon, before I close my eyes, I get to connect with you and your wife and the kids. Yes. Yeah. Well, look. Well, well, I'll... well I'm actually going to come down to Charlotte at some point to visit my friend. So I definitely will let you know when I do that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And and the, the way things going, I'll probably be up this soon. Okay. Unfortunately, it's for another funeral, but this. Oh yeah, 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 so. yeah. Yeah, well, that's a different thing. So, but um, if you're here and you, you can find time to connect, fine. If not, I completely understand. We will. I'm just glad we found each other again. Yes. And it was such it was such a blessing for me 
to be able to give you that ticket to go to that CD break song. Oh, oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. That's... I heard it was so awesome. Yes. Yeah. I, I, told, I told you, look, um, I, I mean, the whole thing was great, but I keep harboring on my guy who gave, like, the best sermon I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and and a friend uh, of mine. And I was talking to the wife. I was like, we may have to move to Ghana. Because <laughs> he, he had the um, he had the president of Ghana uh, there. And uh, I don't ask me to pronounce his don't ask me to pronounce his name. But he was he was there. And, um, you know, they still there. They want to bring uh, um, what they call it. Africans in that in the diaspora. They want to bring them back home. So, um, and he's giving out, oh, wow. uh, I don't remember all the details, but it's, it's a ton of land that, that they're kind of oh, wow. like setting aside and for, for, um, for Africans to come back home and, and wow. he's, he's, um, setting up, um, which I had all, I had, I had thought about this. This was a dream mm-hmm. of mine, but I was like, this could yeah. never happen, but he's, um, president of I I don't know I don't know what the, the organization is but basically they're trying to unite all of Africa mm. so can you imagine <laughs> can you, yes let me that, tell you something that's, that's one thing that Caucasian people don't want no they don't no they don't Mm-mm. they don't Mm-mm. and Mm-mm. not from one continent to the next they sure don't but whoo could I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I may not see it in my lifetime, but I hope my children, children see it. Ooh, that would that would be a beautiful thing. Goodness gracious, the whole it country sure coming it together. Sure but he he was yeah. talking about how how challenging it is because of the the tribalism, you know. Yeah. So yeah. But boy, ooh. But they they started. That would be a beautiful thing. That would yeah. be a beautiful thing. Yeah. So yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah. thank you, because I got a lot out of that. That was that was yeah, awesome. Yeah. Let me know when you pull it together and post it or whatever you're doing. I will absolutely. send you my bio because I would absolutely love it. So if you post it on LinkedIn or something, just yes. make sure you tag me and blah 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 because I would definitely love to listen to it. I sure will. I sure will. Hey, I know it's a, right, I kept you me. over, but thank you. That's fine. This was great. That's fine. <laughs> and so um, I look forward to seeing it. And thanks again, Jared. Oh, thank you, Ms. Willett. Uh, all, right. all right. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.